Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hinted Neuron Podcast. I'm still your host, Kevin Pascal. Feels good to say that because I've been away from the podcast for quite a while now. This is my first episode of the year and yeah, it's, it's nice to be doing this for I think the third year in a row. Hinted Neuron started 2020 and this 2023. <laughs> Happy New Year if you know, you're listening for the first time this year. And yeah, I mean... I'm so happy that I'm doing this again. I I almost used one hour to set up right now. I was trying to set up software and hardware for the recording and stuff like that. But it feels good to do this again, to actually talk into a mic. Yeah, I'm doing this solo today because um, I don't really have anybody to interview or I didn't, I have some people lined up, but I just didn't. You know, the timing never works right for me sometimes. So I just decided to move some of those interviews to maybe times where I'm like very less busy or during the weekends. But yeah, I mean, I would do some interviews this summer, but right now I would try and play around with this solo thing and see if it works for me. I haven't really put out solo episodes in a very long time because the podcast is interview based. But yeah. Shout out to Ife for giving me the vibe and Ginger to actually be doing this again. And yeah, I think this is one of the episodes that Busayo might like. When I say this episode in, sorry, when I say this podcast in, like, I think 2020, he was always saying that, you know, you should do so episodes, you know, speaking to a mic, rant if you want to, that would he would listen. But yeah, <laughs> I think this is something that Busayo might like. Yeah, I mean, Shout out to everybody who reached out to me. Ali, who was also helping with my social media at the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the support. And, you know, it feels good to know that people actually listen to your stuff. And, like, they actually miss your perspective on things and they actually want to listen to you. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I I think in this life, you have to strive to be liked or be hated because if you are liked it means people care if you are hated it still means people care you know but if you are none of that it just means that people don't actually really care about you you are like insignificant so you just have to be maybe in that spectrum of being liked or being hated so yeah I think <laughs> that was just a random way so, um, yeah I mean I I have an itinerary of things I feel like I want to talk about mostly be around myself you know i transitioned to grad school from being a freelance person i'm going to talk about that and you know talking about what my new environment is like right now coming from you know nigeria to the u.s how that transition has been i put out a long essay i think that was last year october i don't know i forgot or september yeah and a lot of people liked it and people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a really fresh, interesting perspective. Feels true. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do maybe some sort of follow-up to that. I have new experiences. I have new data. You know, I've been here for maybe 10 months. I can't remember now. But, yeah, I think I came to the U.S. in July 2022 yeah and right now it's april 2023 it's been a while a very very long way from home and you know i have like all these things that i've been seeing and thinking about yeah i feel like the podcast could be a place to you know speak about those things about you know maybe contrasting my life as it was back then in Nigeria and as it is right now in the US. I just wanted to talk about those things and, you know, talk about some of the things that my friends have been telling me and maybe commenting on them, using the podcast as you know, as an avenue to comment on those things. I feel like it will be, you know, interesting, entertaining, I guess. And yeah, I mean, for a lot of people that have asked me questions in the past, there's also an avenue for me to answer those questions. There are a lot of things that people have always like, hey, what about this? What about this? Yeah, I think that it would be nice to actually talk about those things here. Yeah.
So yeah, um, from when I was still new here, actually in the last essay I wrote, I was talking about which you know a lot of people actually highlighted as <laughs> they took it as a highlight of my essay at the time. There was, um, there was there was a paragraph I talked about loneliness in the sense of feeling alone. So um, yeah, I mean. It's been a long time since that essay. I, I don't know if I still feel lonely, but yeah, a lot of times I still do because it, to be honest, it's very different. It's very different from Nigeria where you feel like you are part of something most of the times. <laughs> you know, it feels like you're being plugged into what other people are doing and you're being taken along into most things. But it's different here in the sense that maybe because I'm the type of person who necessarily just stays by myself or would rather not talk to people or just like to observe people from a distance. But um, my, my idea of loneliness is not exactly feeling, oh, I need someone to talk to at this moment or rant to. It's, it's more, um, I don't feel connected to this environment you know i don't feel connected to this environment it feels like i exist singly and then there's others i feel like disconnected from other people because like other people don't share my own experiences or do i the things that they want to talk about i i know the things i might want to talk about or the things I I feel happy about and other things I necessarily feel happy about, you know. If you take back, if if I think back to myself in Nigeria, you know, on a normal day, still the same me, not willing to talk to people, but you see that the person close to you might share very similar life experiences to yours, you know. They share that common nigerian consciousness i was talking about nigerian consciousness in one episode i dropped last year so they share that nigerian consciousness so they kind of can relate to you as a person maybe as an individual so you are not too different from them because you most likely tell the same jokes you know have similar pain have similar things that make you happy you know, <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I would not necessarily say I feel lonely to the extent that, oh, I, I want to kill myself. No, most days I think that the work I'm doing fills me up with so much joy and like so much um distraction, I guess. So I don't necessarily feel that most times, but you know, once in a while, that feeling of, hmm, I don't feel connected to anything around me right now you know that thing comes up most times sometimes rarely but you know you start to feel like you're not connected to anything and then something i find out something i figured out rather is that the music like nigerian music and food helps me feel something you know, it helps me. Feel, it helps me feel good, or something like that. Yeah. Um, let me explain. <laughs> when I was in Nigeria, I used to listen to Drake a lot, or maybe J Cole, or like foreign artists. I listened to Thames and Bonaboy sometimes. But when I came here, I discovered that hmm, I just started to listen to a wider array of Afrobeat songs, just because listening to Afrobeat made sense at listening to Afrobeat always made sense in the US for me now it has always made sense to just you know whenever I want to listen to music I just listen to Afrobeat it j- just because it just gives me that sense of hmm, of belonging to something or I have something I don't know how to explain it but listening to Afrobeat is more comforting it's one of those things that comforts me here and cooking Nigerian food sometimes, you know, frying things that are like, you know, Nigerian cuisine or trying to just do things that look like, um, eat things that look like Nigerian food. They give me a sense of 
children at home. When I was talking to my friend about it, she told me that maybe I'm missing home. You know, the thing is maybe yes. You know, I could be or I could not be. You know, I might. Sorry, that, that was very wrong. I could be or I might not be. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that is very important for you when, like for a person, when they are far from home to have something that grounds them, you know, something that makes them feel comforted. So for me, it's the music and the food right now. Most days when I feel like I don't really have anybody to talk to, I listen to the music. The music itself feels like the artist is talking to me. Like maybe when I listen to Bonaboy, Bonaboy sometimes tell these like Nigerian stories in his, in his music. I know that Bonaboy is like, um, <laughs> has been termed to be problematic. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to cancel Bonaboy. They're not going to cancel Bonaboy because it's, I mean, his music is unique in some way. You know, he, like, he, he just makes you feel something. Sometimes when I listen to Bonaboy, I feel like I kind of simulate myself walking down a Nigerian street or just being somewhere in an open field in Nigeria and just feeling happy. So that's the kind of thing that Bonaboy or maybe any other artist, I found that I really just listen to um like so many of them. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know their names because I just listen to Afrobeat playlists that I see on Spotify. Yeah, the music comfort me and the food. Yeah. So that was some type of follow-up I wanted to do on that um on that um essay i was talking to my friend jerry i think a few weeks ago and we were sort of talking about this in a more broad perspective i was like thinking about you know loneliness in general like not for myself but we are talking about it for young adults or maybe adults in fact from my own observation you know especially here in the u.s I mean, it would seem that people are, some people, like a large proportion of the people are lonely here in the US. That's mainly because, I don't know, there's this, <laughs> there's this um, individualism that, you know, that is deeply rooted into people here. So people don't really relate most times, but a lot of people try to make friends. Some people have friend groups that they try to do things together with. But I still find that you know, the U.S. is still filled with lonely people. That's because maybe people are shy or people don't like to make that effort to connect to other people. Or, or, or it's just like a mind your business kind of place, you know. People just like to mind their business here. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's kind of very different back home in Nigeria where people try to interact <laughs> you know, you are like you are. If you if you grow up in Nigeria, you are somewhere. Someone would definitely talk to you. Sometimes it's like a constant. You see somebody three times or two times, boom, you're already friends. You know, it's it's very different from here, where you could even do a group project with someone, or you work with someone for a particular amount of time, and you pass them in the roadside, and they won't say anything to you. You try to like make an effort to say hi to them, but they just ignore you. I don't know what that is. You know, I, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> it's very striking and surprising to me that, mm, you, know, <laughs> you, know, that's, you try to make an effort to say hi to someone. Actually, when you pass them, someone you know, but they just, you know, ignore you like they don't, like you don't exist. It, it, it has happened like quite a few times. I don't know what that is, to be honest, but I've been trying to think about that. I know that I saw some people complain about similar experiences. I don't know, but, you know, if you know why people do that in the U.S., if you grew up in the U.S. and you want to tell me why, please feel free. I would like to know why people do that. Why do people ignore people that they know? You know, I, in Nigeria, you don't have to be friends with someone to say hi to them. And like, you know, laugh, smile at them when you see them in public. 
it could be, uh, you know, we took a class together or we were in like a situation that brought us together in some way. You know, it could be a sporting event, anything. <laughs> you, know, you know, in Nigeria, people would actually say hi to you when they see you somewhere. So I don't know. You know, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about. Like, you, where people always just try to mind their own business like that. All these kind of things might breed loneliness into certain people. I see people who complain a lot that, you know, they don't have any friends. And, you know, that maps back to why I think a lot of people here like to date a lot. When I was in Nigeria, I didn't feel the need to date or have that vibe that, oh, I'm going to date or anything. I just felt, I have friend groups. You know, I always have these distinct friend groups for like different things and or friends in different arenas of my life. You know, I knew that, oh, this person, this person would do something for me if I wanted to or this is the kind of person I would talk to about this thing. I had female and male friends that were dead. They're like dear to me. And, you know, we talk, we share experiences. Some are old friends, some are not very old friends. So for old friends, sometimes the conversations might, conversations might um, center around drawing out from the reservoir of shared experiences or like shared memories. And you start to like contrast that with new experiences in our lives. Those kind of things that, those are kind of conversations I used to have with my friends. You know, they, they make you feel warm. They make you feel part of something. But something I find out here is that people don't necessarily talk to each other. <laughs> they hang out, yes. But they maybe play games together or, or um, they just do stuff. But they don't necessarily talk, you know. When I mean talk, I don't mean like gossips about, you know, <laughs> gossip about like different things because people could be talking about sports or people could be talking about like all these different things that don't, they are not really who they are. But, you know, I don't know how to explain this, but if I'm talking to a friend, I'm talking to them about myself, my experiences, my observations, and they're telling me the same things. So we are getting to know ourselves like that. But here people don't, really do that like based on my own observation I, this might not necessarily be true i just want to put this put it out there that this is like my observation on when i hang out with like different people how i like the conversations they're having or they're not even having <laughs> they're just like sitting down drinking beer or doing things together it might i find out that people don't really talk to each other they don't really know themselves you know as opposed to the style that i like you know people sitting down trying to know the person that's in front of them. So yeah, I think that those kind of things might breed loneliness here. Maybe that those are one of the causes of things that like maybe bring lo- breed loneliness. And um yeah, I back to the dating issue. So if in your life you feel like the only person you can actually talk to, relate to very well is like a partner, like a romantic partner. <laughs> then I think that that is like a very big ground for failure as a human being. And I think that that's like most of what people do here. Like the only people, the only person that they open up to is a romantic partner. Again, I might be wrong, but this is based on observation. <laughs> this is just based on micro data that I collected. <laughs> so, yeah. So please don't say I'm generalizing. I mean, I talk like I'm generalizing, but I'm putting out that disclaimer that this is based on micro-observations I've seen. Like the the people that people actually open up to are like romantic partners and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that, trying to like figure out why that is, you know. So you see why like people date a lot or... Because they don't really have friends to talk to. And romantic partnership is like the only avenue for them to feel connected to another person or another individual or for them to feel heard or feel seen. So, yeah, I mean, if you have like opinions on that or you want to like have a conversation 
about that, what I just said, reach out to me because it's something I've been actively thinking about why that is. Why is it that people only find security within romantic relationships, not even within their own families? I mean, that is like understandable sometimes, but like, why is it that people don't actually make friends with people that they can talk to, open up to? They just make friends that they can play games with and drink with or go to parties with, but they don't really talk to themselves and know each other. Because, you know, when I was talking to my friend again, like I mentioned this earlier, like when I was talking to my friend Jerry, the US is a very, very like therapy centric place. People talk about therapy a lot. Like it's cool to have a therapist. It's cool to. Like, it's like a status symbol, you know? <laughs> like, having a therapist is like having, like, a Mercedes Benz, you know? You, you like, like, it's thing to signal that you are in or something. So, yeah, I mean, people talk about that a lot. Like, my therapist this, my therapist that, you know? Or get a therapist, but they tell you, they try to, like, even tell you, get a therapist, you know, something like that. But what if you don't necessarily need one. What if what you need is feeling part of something, a place where you feel safe, you can express yourself. Like sometimes when I talk to some of my friends and we start to like self-diagnose ourselves and like talk about our problems and try to like come up with, you know, effective ways to handle those things. Some of the people sometimes might be Ajuma, Suzanne, you know, Roland, Yinka or Jerry, some of my friends that I talk to. And, or even if uh, I talk to these people and they tell me like practical things to do. So it feels like I'm in this big circle and I'm holding hands with people and I sort of know what to do most times. And I don't necessarily need a therapist, you know? So, you know, I think that's what friendship does for you. And, you know, you don't necessarily feel lonely if you are within, if you have that kind of support, you know? Then again, I'm still like, you know, talking about this issue of loneliness. I'm just trying to say, oh, yeah, this is something that I've been thinking about. Why is that therapy as a business tribes here? Yeah, I mean, I mean, people are lonely in Nigeria. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, what if, you know, friendship or community or actually talking to people, having people that you could talk to could be a micro solution to this thing? I know that a lot of people don't necessarily have friends and people that they could talk to. But yeah, that's just me saying that. I don't know. This is again, this is a rant, please. I'm not I'm not your pastor or your doctor or anything. I'm just saying what I want to say because it's my podcast. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like maybe we could, you know, talk about loneliness from that perspective and seeing ways in which we could like help people you know, where they don't have to pay so much money. Because to be honest, therapy doesn't actually help you solve your problems. It just makes you aware of those problems. The therapist might maybe give you certain things to do, to tell you certain things to do, but you know, at the end of the day, you will still be a person to work on those things. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you have, if you have that safe community as well, maybe you could actually you know, get the help you need sometimes. Yeah. Just like when I talk to my friends and I feel very alive again, you know. Yeah. That's something I wanted to put out there. I'm coming to, you know, the end of my second semester here at UNC. And I think it's been, like, it's been a very amazing experience, I would say. Like most days when I walk down the campus, it feels like a dream, you know, the structures, the architecture of things. It feels good, to be honest. Sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, you know, wow, I'm here. It's crazy. You know, I can't like believe it sometimes. Because, you know, I used to talk about my boarding school experience a lot, talking about how, I mean, if for some of you that listen to this podcast that went to the same boarding school as me, David, Kingsley, Stanley, I know some of you, shout out to you guys anyways. I, I know you listen sometimes. You know, we, there is this door that I used to, like the second door, there's a door that leads out of the hostel. I'll go there and bend down 
to read under the moonlight just because there was no electricity in that boarding school. You know, that's where I used to sit down, learn chemistry or math. Just sit down there, bend down. Or sometimes I take a candle with me or a torchlight. And, you know, it feels amazing sometimes when I'm just like in these seminars and it feels crazy to me that I'm at the frontiers of real science. Like I'm on the frontiers of where people are of where people are innovating, where people are doing mad innovative stuff. You know, it, it feels different. You know, it makes me, sometimes it makes me want to, I don't know, it just makes me want to work hard the more. Because like think about where I'm coming from, sitting down under the moonlight or a candlelight or a torchlight, reading chemistry, you know, in the middle of the night where mosquitoes are biting you, you know, and you are here right now almost like the frontiers of things. You are like where people are doing the real job. People are doing clinical trials here. People are innovating. People are creating. People are doing mad research here. And it feels different. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just like, wow, this is like a dream that I'm actually here. You know, it, it feels good. I know that, I know that like it has taken so much effort and work to be here to be honest <laughs> so, but sometimes it feels unbelievable that that most times i'm sitting down with these people and they're, they're just saying really mad ass crazy stuff you know some of them are very smart and when, when i might try to feel intimidated i just remind myself that i'm in the room with these people and i can't you know because I know that me myself, I'm not, I'm not dumb too. You know, I have the value I bring to whatever team I'm working on or whatever project I'm working on. I have my own value to bring. I have my own ideas and I have my own skill set and I have my own like knowledge base that I always contribute. But then, you know, <laughs> and, but you know, it's, it's sometimes easy to feel intimidated because of like the vast experiences that some of these people have. But yeah, I, tr- I always try to remind myself that, oh, you're in the room with these people and that matters. And like that is very important because, you know, it's, it's something I've always like wished for to be in the middle of where like big innovation is happening. And yeah, I think, you know, I'm like happy to be here. It feels good every day. I think is one of those things that make me want to wake up in the morning and just do the things that I have to do. There's just so much motivation and driving force for me. Like for me, I don't really need anybody telling me to do stuff, you know. That alone, the just the the, the mere fact that um at the frontiers of big stuff, frontiers of like amazing research. That's like my own driving force. You know, I just, you know, wake up in the morning and there's just always this just this vibe to just keep doing what I'm doing. I go, I go to bed thinking about problems. I wake up trying to, you know, work on the problems I stopped working on last night. <laughs> it feels good. It feels interesting. There's like so much work to be done. I know that it's hard in some way because I know that like maybe challenges might come, you know, but I think I'm ready for them. I've Something that I learned from my freelance journey is that like all projects might not be smooth or like, Whatever you predict for a project might not be what will happen. But yeah, you know, I just, it feels amazing. Like one day I went to, I, I was sitting down and I was like thinking, damn, I really committed to do a PhD. And, you know, the time, effort, energy, and mental strength you need for that. I was like thinking about that, like, damn, this is kind of challenge I for myself i was like will i be able to do this thing for like five years but yeah i mean i don't doubt myself i've started and i've finished before so i don't doubt that i'm going to start and finish this time because you know i'm the shit i (laughs) I, i've I've done it before i'll do it again so you know i mean i've not done a phd before but like yeah i worked on hard things before and I've, I feel very confident going into, to, I mean, well, that's a lie, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, some days I don't feel as confident 
when I well, like when people tell me some projects you know to work on like <laughs> some days I don't feel as confident I feel like wow this would be really hard but you know but I try to remember that there are like a lot of projects I've worked on that felt very hard but you know you, I saw the end result of those projects I saw that you know that's process of going from damn I have no idea to wow look at what I made you know it's something I live for I I want to have those I want to have more of those experiences to have no clue about what I'm going to do to actually being you know like seeing the final product of something you know some days it doesn't feel fast you know I like fast things sometimes but some days things don't feel fast some days things feels slow it feels like you're not getting results faster you're not progressing faster but 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 that's the process man that's the process that's why you you know you go to bed thinking about them you stand up it's enough ginger to keep grinding on those problems and i i think that's what i love i i've started to think that maybe i'm more of like a problem solving person than an investigator i don't really like to I don't know. Maybe it's a mixture of both, but it's more, I'm more on the problem solving side. I like solving problems. I like thinking about problems. I like things that challenge me. I remember when I was telling Genevieve that I think that was in second or third year of OEU. It could be third or fourth year. I've forgotten. Yeah. Shout out to Genevieve, by the way. She, she's always been like, a big inspiration to me, I guess. She um she was the best graduate student in my class in uni and like we I remember when we used to study together and some things like that and we used to like have some of these moments we talk. Yeah. I was telling her that I always like a challenge, but challenge by who? <laughs> that that was before I started freelancing by the way, I guess. So like um yeah, I, I mean I've Right now, I feel I feel blessed to be challenged by by these like hard problems that we are trying to solve here, and even yeah, apart from academia, like just problems of trying to make friends, problems of trying to you know plant myself as someone that feels good about themselves. You know, everything is everything is a challenge. You know, but like I still try to. Um, show up and walk, I guess. I mean, that's just me. I don't like to preach, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying those things. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good. It's been good. I think the ride is good. And I think I'm ready for whatever might come in the future. Something else I wanted to talk about was um, poverty in America. So that was the last thing I talked about in that essay, but I didn't really expand on it because of, um, you know, the essay was already long enough. I was planning to do that in a second essay, but yeah, I think it's important to talk about poverty in America because I know like a lot of people always think that America is this place that is flowing milk and honey. But yeah, I mean, in a way that's very true. In a way that's false. <laughs> in some way, because you know, when I when I came here, you know, I was like walking around the roads and just trying to like see things for myself. I saw like all these homeless people maybe asking me for cigarettes or a dollar or something like that. You know, that may, or maybe like a, like a person walking up to you and telling you they've not eaten in a long time, you know, asking you for if you have anything to give them. I think what's so mind-blowing to me is to live in a place where there's so much and so little at the same time. I, <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know how to like unwrap this dilemma, but... But um, it's crazy to me that some days I leave a building 
and there's just like so much food waste inside that building. Maybe there's like a seminar or something that happened, like a small mini party, and there's just so much leftovers. You come out of that building, you walk 10 minutes down the road, an homeless man is begging you for food or something. You know? <laughs> You know, I've been trying to wrap my head around that. Like, damn, there's so much and so little at the same time. Like, people are actually poor in this place to the extent that, you know, you know like, during the like, last winter, I was walking down the road with, I just left the house. I decided to take a walk. I just, like, with my heavy jacket and all the things, gloves. Then I saw a man sleeping by the roadside. It felt crazy to me that, you know, I just came to this country and I have like roof over my head and I have a stable income and I have something to eat. But this is a person who has been here for a long time and they are on the roadside. It felt, I don't know, would I say, would I say I feel guilty? I mean, I felt like guilt in a, in a way that damn, you know, I've just only been here for a short while and there's someone who has been here all their life and they're suffering like this. It made me feel sort of guilty and so much pity for that person. I don't know. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it in, I don't know, it just made me feel bad for them. Sometimes I try to help them. Like sometimes when I'm leaving a grocery store, and I buy snacks, I try to, you know, give them part of that snack or something. Because, you know, I, I'm not the richest person in the world. I don't really have as much to help, you know, in any grand scale. But most times when I see people, I'm like, okay, I actually know that I have something to give. I try to give them something. But yeah, it's very depressing to me that, you know, that people actually suffer a lot in this country like they don't have a place to sleep they don't have something to eat they don't have something to drink you know you see people asking you for soda or something like that like if you have a soda to give them like or like money to buy something to eat or drink and then you you know that you have like you know at home you have like all this food in the fridge and stuff like that you know it's 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 very i don't know Maybe it's just the pity side of me that likes to, you know, think about people. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me that you live in a world where there's so much for some people and like so little for some other people. I've been trying to wrap my head around that, you know, trying to think about why that is, you know, because, you know, I mean, it's not my fault, but people, it's probably not their fault either. I don't know. I don't know whose fault it is. <laughs> this is not a blame game, but you know, I've been thinking about why. You know, why is the world structured this way? Not only in the US, even in Nigeria. You know, there's there's that. You know, but you know, in Nigeria, people are rich, but not too rich sometimes. <laughs> you know, so you can understand why some other people are like you know poor because Nigeria is. I mean, you, I wouldn't say Nigeria is a very rich country. Most people are just like working class people and like trying to get by most times. I mean, yeah, I think there are some people who have so much, you know, at the same time as well. But like, yeah. But in a place in like in the US, where it's just like always, it's like always wastage. So much wastage. People throw food away. People... I don't know, there's just so much wastage here. Like, sometimes I see people throwing food away. I was like, damn, you know. I remember the time when I was in my second year of uni and I was, like, lying on the bed, you know, crying because I was very hungry. Even in uni and in boarding school, I remember times where I was, like, crying because, because I didn't have, like, food to eat. You know, and I was just like, damn, what do I eat now? I was hungry. You know, I I remember those times. So, <laughs> maybe it's what makes me feel like so much more empathy for them because I actually know what it's like to be hungry. So most times I like, you know, I like sympathize with these people or empathize with them and try to like help if I can because 
I, I mean, I would not say I was really poor in Nigeria. I think that my parents would always try to show up for me if I wanted them to. But I was not really this person who liked to ask for help. I always wanted to do my own thing, you know, do my own thing and try to not ask. I didn't really, I, I think my parents always knew me as a person that would never ask them for help except when necessary. I didn't really ask them to buy me anything or do anything for me. I never really disturbed them. The things that they know that were constant were like my school fees. But like, or, you know, feeding sometimes. But I didn't really like to stress them. I wanted to do things for myself. But <laughs> so, this, so that made me hungry a lot of times, especially in boarding school and in the university. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy that I'm where I am right now anyways. So that I can, you know, I have, I'm happy that I've have, I have those experiences. I've lived in two sides of that spectrum where I have more money that I, I have money that, you know, that's just sitting there. I don't really need it at the moment. And, you know, or, and I've lived life where I didn't have at all to eat. You know, it makes me grateful. It makes me want to help. It makes me, you know, it makes me see, see people and have like sympathy for them. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> felt like a depressing rant. Yeah, I mean, hope Busaya is still listening right now. <laughs> yeah, shout out to you, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Busaya. I like our conversations. Although he doesn't really talk to me as much as I would like to these days. But yeah, he's he's been one of those people I would I always like to talk to because he felt fresh. I like fresh conversations, especially the types I have with Jerry. Yeah, this podcast episode is getting a little bit too long, but yeah, I mean, why my plan was to just talk about certain things that I was actively thinking about at the moment, and you know, you know, try to maybe plan for more episodes in the future and see something like that. It's been nice talking for I think more than forty minutes now. It's been nice talking for more than forty minutes now. Something else I feel like I wanted to talk about was my life, you know, transitioning from being a freelancer. So yeah, that's something that I think some of you might be interested in. I was freelancing when I, since when I was in university, uh, when I was in OAU, about for me, I was in university. I was freelancing since then. I remember I used to work on all these projects for people and I like, get paid sometimes before after the project finishes. And I mean, it felt good. It always felt nice to be able to, um, yeah, I, I've talked to people, close deals, send invoices and, you know, work on project and move on to the next. But, you know, one thing that was there was that freelancing income for me was not consistent. Some months I didn't have clients to work with or jobs to work on. So I didn't get paid. Of course, I always had savings because I did, I've, I've always been the kind of person that never really had some type of lifestyle in the sense that I don't really spend money. In, if I already pay my bills, eat and have something to wear, or drink, I'm already okay. I don't really need much to be happy. So most of the money I was earning would just go to some type of investment or a bank account somewhere and just sit there. So, you know, freelancing for me was just that thing that I really liked because it was giving me money, but then it was not consistent. The reason why sometimes I felt depressed when when I was not working, it was just that, you know, work gives me this feeling, I don't know, it just makes me feel like my life has meaning. So then again, I always like, apart from the meaning, I still like to earn more and just save more and stuff like that. Even though that, even though I was not, that was not the money that I was going to buy my next meal. It just felt good to earn more money and just put it somewhere. You know, there was that non-security for me in my days of freelancing where, you know, I was just like, damn, I don't have anybody to work with right now. I'm not having 
a project to work on right now. What I used to do then was take time to study and read books, learn new skills and stuff. That was like what I used to actively do when I didn't have jobs to work on. But I think those were like really good moments for me because it gives me time to relax, to read, to gain more skills, to read and stuff. Yeah, it was really good. But then I was still having this fear at the back of my mind that I was not working and I was not earning money. So, you know, now I work as a PhD student being like a research and teaching person. And yeah, I mean, the money is consistent. And, you know, every month, you know, it makes me, I don't know, I, I think I was talking about this with my friend Ajuma. It felt as if I was becoming lazy in the sense that nobody really checks me as much. You know, I could do a sloppy job and still get paid <laughs> at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, I'm not saying I do a sloppy job. I don't do a sloppy job, but, you know, there is this, you know, this consciousness that you might not even need to work very hard and you still get paid. You know, it made me, you know, then you have to like find more purpose, you know, apart from money. Because since you already know that money will come, like my driving force is not actually money. Unlike when I was a freelancer where it was like both the work and the money, but now it's just, just, it's not money because you know that the money will be there. But now you just have to find purpose in other things. Um, when I was doing being a teaching assistant, I think I'm done being a teaching assistant now, but I did it for two semesters. That was the most, that was a job I didn't really like. <laughs> I mean, I like teaching people, but like the grading and organizing student stuff was, not really for me. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really like grading. Sometimes it just makes me wonder how much job teachers have that is just unnecessary. Like so much back work that you have to do apart from the teaching. Yeah, I don't really like that. But I like research. I like, I think the research is what drives me. It was gives me, I think it, that's what gives me I don't know. Would I say purpose? <laughs> it gives me joy, to be honest. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. It makes me feel like what I'm doing is very important. And if I feel like I'm doing something important, I feel important. It makes me want to wake up in the morning and do, you know, stuff because I feel it's an important thing to do. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, is is crazy that you know. Even for the research, you could be doing just the bare minimum, you know, and still get paid sometimes, depending on your advisor, sometimes you still get paid because, you know, so far you just bring results. It's not hard to come up with new things to talk about, to, to signal that you're making progress. It's not hard. But you know what you want and you know where you're going. Or you're like, you know where you're coming from and where you're going. So you try to like put in the extra effort to actually do meaningful things and not just be someone who just comes up with sweet words to say and like to signal that you're making progress in your research or something. But yeah, I find it interesting. I find I there's more peace right now. There's more peace right now to know that I'm earning money and I'm working on something that gives me joy. And I'm working on hard problems because the problems are really hard. You know, they're like some of the things that people have not done before. There's, I mean, there's like research that people have done before that you're referencing, but, you know, you're trying to like expand on that. You're trying to add new knowledge to it or you're trying to extract, extract data points from that and form new knowledge from that. It's a hard problem sometimes. And... I'm happy that I'm at the frontiers of that. Happy that that's what I get to do as a day job, you know, solve problems, find the patterns and extract meaning from it or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's like most of what I want to talk about in this episode. And yeah, if you've listened to the end, I appreciate you. Thank you to my friends and my younger brother and you know everybody who actually 
makes me feel connected to them. You know, my parents, they try to make the effort to call me every day, but sometimes I don't really call back. But yeah, I, I appreciate all those things that people try to do for me, they check on me and stuff like that. And yeah, shout out to my friends and the people that make my life feel grounded. Or I don't know, I don't know if I worded that right, but yeah, shout out to everybody that's just like actively involved in seeing me succeed, I guess. Or seeing this podcast succeed. A lot of you actually are very concerned about the podcast. And I'm, you know, I'm glad to be talking again, recording. This is the longest solo episode I've ever done. I don't know what you guys might have to say about it. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping that you guys have reviews and feedback for me. Do you like more solo episodes? Do you want to hear me talk more? Or do you want to make, see me do more interviews with people? Just let me know. I'm always happy to connect with you on Instagram. I'm at Twitter, at Hinted Neuron. Instagram, by the same name, at Hinted Neuron. Or you could, you know, if you know me personally, reach out to me on my private um, social media. If you know me, if you know my private Twitter and if you know my private Twitter and Instagram, reach out to me there. If you don't, you would see the podcast um, socials in the link and the description and all those things. Yeah. It's been nice chatting and I hope to hear from you and see you in another episode. Thank you and goodbye.